0: What a great what a great church family to be a part of. So thankful for each and every one of you. Um, We're on this earth for a purpose. Iris was singing about it, talking about it. You have a purpose and we all have this heavenly purpose. Don't ever doubt your significance to God. He didn't purchase you with silver or gold, for that's not nearly as precious and rare as you He purchased you with his own blood. Thereby decreeing and declaring how truly valuable you are to him. You see. God is the wisest businessman in the universe who's ever existed, obviously. So he wouldn't pay. He would never overpay for something. I don't know about you, but I don't like to overpay for anything. Do you? It's quiet in the church. It's the church. It's a church today. Real quiet. We are Presbyterian now. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to overpay for anything. We should pay the fair price if we can get it for less. Hallelujah. hallelujah. But we should at least pay the fair price. Can anybody say amen? Yeah. God paid the fair price. To reveal to us how valuable. You and me are now, God spoke to me already about next Sunday. So I just want to encourage you, if you're an every other Sunday attender. (laughs) Don't do that next week. Don't be the every other Sunday attender ever, but especially next Sunday because I really have something precious and dear that I want to get across to you. But. And it will have to do with some of what we're talking about here, but I mentioned to you last Sunday that the six most powerful words in my life, when I'm afraid, when I have failed, when I've disappointed others, when I've disappointed myself, when others have failed me, when others have disappointed me, when the enemy comes against me, when darkness is all around me, when I feel like giving up, when I have given up, when I've crossed the line that I never thought I would cross, when I when I thought I crossed the line I could never get back from when I feel like going on and when I don't feel like going on, these six words have sustained me, these six words have maintained me this, These six words have saved me. These six words have given me hope. These six words have gotten me this far. And these six words will carry me home. Right. And these six words, as you learned last time we were together, I have a covenant with God. With God. I have a covenant with God. Everybody say, I have a covenant with God. <laughs> I'm getting a little bit of uh, echo If you guys can adjust a little slightly. Do you know when Jesus took the cup. And said, this is the blood of my new covenant in Mark chapter 14, verse 24, he said, this is the blood of my new covenant poured out for many. Now, not only does that word poured out for many means poured out for many people, but it also means poured out for many promises. In other words, the blood of God's covenant, the blood of Jesus covenant not only guarantees your salvation if you simply believe, it guarantees every promise in God's word that he has made. That promise is now yes because of the blood of Jesus. It is not yes because of our performance. It is not. Yes, because we've made promises to God, therefore he'll make promises back to us. It's not his promises are not. Yes. As long as we do everything right, his promises are yes, because of the blood. Why is that so important? Is that so important because we're trying to get everybody to get away with living crazy lives, but still have the, the promises of the blood? No. But you have to realize that every one of us knows in our heart of hearts, we are flawed human beings. Every one of us knows that we never get everything right. And if you're one of those who actually thinks you do get everything right, you've got everything wrong because that's the worst problem of all. It's called pride. If. If it's all not if all of it is by the blood then jesus gets all the glory right. if any of it is done by us then we get the glory now i want you to think about this if 99 percent of our salvation had to do with jesus blood and 1% has to do with us. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Like, wow, Jesus does 99% of the salvation and I just have to contribute 1%. It sounds almost good. It sounds almost too good. It sounds like that would be accurate. That would make sense. But let me explain to you this way. If Jesus can only save you 99% if Jesus can only do 99 percent of the saving and you have to do one percent in order to get it to one hundred percent, then your one percent really has the value of one hundred percent. And therefore, if you if you have to contribute one percent to your salvation, that means it's all up to you, because if it requires one hundred percent and you're holding the one, He's holding the ninety nine percent and you're holding the one that means it's all up to you to give that one percent. But that's why Jesus blood does it all one hundred percent. Otherwise, we would get the glory and that is God will not share his glory with anyone. He gets by putting your trust in Jesus plus nothing. He gets all the glory. That's just an argument that I like to make just to help us have some common sense about this. But the truth is, is it's not just so that we can have God's promises. It's so that we can have the closest, most intimate relationship with God. And nothing can ever get into our heads, convincing us that we're still separated from God because we were separated from him But the Bible says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the sin of the world was Adam's sin that separated man from God. You know, your actual quote unquote sins do not separate you from God. It was Adam's sin that separated all of us from God. Because if your daily sins or your yearly sins or your once in a while sins, If those separated you from God, then you would constantly be coming in and out of this relationship with God. But there is no separation anymore because the blood of Jesus ever liveth to make intercession for us. That word intercession means to stand in the gap, to, to be the go between. In other words, the gap that separated man from God has now been interceded or bridged or connected, the gap has been completely filled by Jesus' blood so that there will never, ever be a separation between you and God ever again. I know that sounds too good to be true, but in this case, it is 100% true. Because none of us are holy enough to stand in the presence of God. But when we are washed by the blood of Jesus and made new creatures in Christ, which is called being born again. It is at that moment that we are united with God forever. And nothing Romans chapter eight says nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in where's the love of God in It's not in how much we love for the love of God. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing will separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And his love is demonstrated by becoming the intercessor for us so that there will never be separation ever again between you and God ever again. You mean if I if I if I stop on the way back on the way home from church on my way to the Bears game, if I stop at the bar and have a drink, won't won't the Holy Ghost like wait outside? I know he loves me and he'll he'll wait outside for me outside the bar, won't he? No, he's not going to wait outside for you outside the bar. He's coming in there with you because he goes where you go. Might want to think twice about where you go, but I'm just saying (laughs) He's not he's not like, Okay, I'll wait for you here. I'll be standing guard. Got you. (laughs) The Holy Ghost doesn't become the bouncer outside of the bar while you're in there. I'm not trying to encourage drinking. I'm trying to eradicate false beliefs that have caused you to live a life distant from a God that is not distant from you anymore. When there's no separation, there is nothing but celebration. I don't know if you heard me. When there's no separation, there's nothing but celebration. Woo! In other words, we're always He's always with us. I gotta show you something powerful today. The word covenant. Because we are living in what the Bible refers to as the new covenant and the new covenant is. The new will and testament and a will and a testament can only go into effect when the one who writes it dies. My children are in my will. Everything I have will be theirs. But I got to die first. I don't tell them what's in there because I don't want to get bumped off early. You understand (laughs) what I'm saying? (laughs) They might say, this is all you got. (laughs) But a covenant can only go into effect when there is the death of the one who writes it. That's why Jesus didn't just come as limited thinking as we sometimes become. Jesus didn't come just to forgive us of our sins. He came to put us in his will. So that everything that is his is ours. How generous. How undeserving we are and how generous he is. Well, guess what that does when we see how generous he is and how undeserving we are. It gives glory to him. It gives glory to his generosity, not our humanity. Our humanity actually gives glory to God, because when we realize when we finally start having some empathy for others and realize everybody's human and everybody's at a different season in their life and everybody's at a different um, evolution of different part of their evolutionary process as a human being. We evolve, we we grow. We're like caterpillars that evolve into beautiful butterflies. But it takes time, and it takes being in a cocoon, and it takes uh, a transformation, a metamorphosis, a miraculous working of God. The caterpillar doesn't get in a hurry to get, become a butterfly. He just he just exists, and he understands who he is and builds a cocoon around him and the caterpillar that that is. And then he becomes what was all what was always in him to begin with. All the beauty and all the colors and all of the DNA of a butterfly was already in that caterpillar. And when you are a human being made in the image of God, all of the beauty and all of your destiny and all of your purpose is actually in your DNA. But it's being but it's it's deadened by Adam's sin, but it's made alive again the moment you're born again. And. So this will only goes into effect when there's a death, because death is the price. Blood is the price of life there. You cannot live without blood. How often we forget how powerful it is when somebody has a blood transfusion or somebody needs blood. We go to the Red Cross or we give blood or we somebody maybe here needed it at one point having a hospital stay and you needed blood. Blood. The life is in the blood, the Bible says in Leviticus, chapter 17, verse 11, the life is in the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is not in the flesh, it's in the blood that's inside of your flesh. So a covenant, the word covenant means to cut where blood flows, to cut where blood flows. So when. We're cut. When Jesus was cut and his blood flowed, he was establishing a covenant. He wasn't just forgiving us of our sins. He wasn't just washing away our sins. He was making a covenant with us, which is the strongest form of agreement that two parties can ever make. And he was sealing his covenant in blood. It is finished. Father, forgive them. Um, I commit my, my spirit into your hands. These things that Jesus did gave us the life of God. He made a blood covenant with us through his blood that he and only he can enact And he and only he can break. And will he break it according to Psalm eighty nine, verse thirty four. If we actually believe the Bible is the word of God, we will see in Psalm eighty nine, verse thirty four and thirty five. God says this. I will not break my covenant with him or take back even one promise. I'm reading from the good news Uh, Version One of the good news versions of the Bible. I will not break my covenant with him or take back even one promise that I made him. He said once and for all, I have promised by my holy name, I will never lie to David. David is the descendant of Abraham. Jesus is the descendant of David. We are the descendants of Jesus. this covenant, God says, I will not break it. I will not even take back one promise. Well, you know what? You messed up. So, you know, what? I'm going to take that promise away from you. God does not treat us like three year old children with a sippy cup. When God makes a covenant with us. Through the blood of Jesus, it is forever settled and forever ratified. It will never be broken. You Say, why is that? And so why is that so important? Because so often we think, oh, why is this happening to me? I deserve this bad thing to happen. I really deserve that. And I'm never going to get God to do that, because look at what I did and how I blew that and how I screwed that up and how I messed that up and how I d- didn't do enough and I did too many things that th- see this, this bypasses all of that jargon in your brain trying to condemn yourself. This bypasses that and causes you to realize the 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 guarantee of God's promises has nothing to do with your consistency. The guarantee of God's promises has everything to do with the blood of Jesus. That's a blood covenant to cut where blood flows in Genesis 17. This is my covenant. Remember, this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep every male among you shall be circumcised. You are you are to undergo circumcision and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. So the Abrahamic covenant, the covenant of Abraham was enacted. The God, the covenant God made with Abraham, there had to be bloodshed and the blood was was Abraham's blood. And and the children of Abraham's blood, all the male children. It was their blood that had to be shed because ultimately it was leading to Abraham's ultimate descendant is Jesus Christ. And then his blood is shed. Once his blood is shed, there is never a need for circumcision to wash or to make a covenant between you and God. Circumcision is something you can do to your to your, you know, to your child as he's when he's born or soon after. It's 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 a reasonable and a good, healthy thing for for simply the health of the child. It's it's a tradition that has been been done for centuries and millennials, thousands of years. But most more importantly, it was the sign of a covenant because blood is shed when the, when the foreskin of a child is removed, blood is shed. And this was the Abrahamic covenant. This is no longer necessary for a covenant to be made because our covenant is with God through the blood of Jesus. And throughout history, these covenants have been made in blood for years and thousands of years, and the strongest form of agreement and contract is made with blood, a blood covenant It's still practiced in the remotest parts of the earth today. But in the more developed regions like America, we've replaced a covenant with a contract, but the contract can be broken. And then the contract about the contract not being broken can be broken. But a blood covenant can never be broken because it's done in blood. God's blood covenant. This is why David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Because it wasn't about Goliath being a Philistine that made him subject to David's victory. It was that he was uncircumcised, which meant he doesn't have a covenant with God. This is the difference. It had nothing to do with him being a Philistine or a Jew. It had to do with him being uncircumcised. That's why David focused on that part of it. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine who taunts the armies of the living God? Give me his head. Bring him to me. Send me out to fight him. And we know what happens. Why? Because why can something so small David defeats something so great, Goliath, because one had a covenant with God and one didn 't have a covenant with God. David had a covenant with God that by the way, God promised in psalm 89 of that covenant, "I will never break it." So David knew he had a covenant with God that could never be broken, so he knew that a circ- uncircumcised Philistine does not have a covenant with God. so guess who 's going to win? The one with a covenant with God had nothing to do with their war experience, had nothing to do with their height, their size their strength their abilities it had everything to do with one thing one thing only david had a covenant with god Woo! and goliath didn't listen the problems you have in life are temporary because the problems you have in life do not have a covenant with god you are not temporary You are permanent. You are going to outlast your problems. You are going to live beyond your problems. Why? Because your problems don't have a covenant with God, but you do. Boy, if we get a hold of this. We would not be so shocked. We would not be so surprised. We would not be so afraid when something bad happens or something happens that that catches us by surprise. It wouldn't bother us as much because we know we're going to outlast it. I have a covenant with God. The mistakes I make do not have a covenant with God, but I have a covenant with God. I'm going to outlive my mistakes. I'm going to outlive my humanity. I'm going to outlive my failures. I'm going to outlive those because I have a covenant with God and my mistakes and and shortcomings, they do not have a covenant with God. I have the covenant with God, which means I will outlast them. I will slay them. I will outlive them. And so will you. In Hebrews chapter nine. Verse 16. A covenant is of no effect until there is the death of the one who made it in these exact words. In the case of a covenant or a will or a testament, the same word. That's why the New Testament does not start with Matthew. I know that in our Bibles, it's divided that way, that Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament and Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. But that's not actually how it's divided. It's divided from John chapter 19, verse 30, when Jesus says it is finished and breathes his last on the cross. That's the end of the old covenant. And that's the beginning of the new covenant because a covenant cannot be enforced without the death of the one who made it and the blood being shed. So in John chapter 19, verse 30, when it says, and Jesus said, it is finished and breathed his last ten That means the debt is fully paid. That means the battle is fully won. That means the sentence has been fully served. The old covenant is now over. It doesn't mean we can't learn from it, but we're not living under it anymore your disobedience does not earn the curse because Jesus obedience delivers you from the curse and delivers the blessing to you through his blood based on a new covenant that was enacted when Jesus died. This is what mystifies the devil or what mystified the devil. And this is what will make you celebrate the blood. See, he says, for in the case of a covenant, it is necessary to establish the death of the one who made it. Hebrews chapter nine, verse 16, verse 17, because a will does not take effect until the one who made it has died. It cannot be executed while he is still alive. So all the crying and weeping and all the disciples, oh, I wish he didn't have to die. They wish he did. Now that they see what it meant, they're very glad he did die. That's why, to me, Good Friday is Great Friday. Amen. To me, Good Friday is not a day to mourn. It's a day to celebrate Amen. because it's a celebration of the death of the one who made the will so that all the promises in the will now become the owner owned by or the, we, we, they now become the possession of. And we're the legal heirs of all of his promises as soon as he died and his blood was shed. That is why verse 18 says that is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. It was the blood of lambs and bulls and goats. But. Jesus blood is the blood of the new covenant, which means, by the way, the word covenant to cut where blood flows brings us into fellowship with God. And the word fellowship in the Bible is actually the word for. Intimacy. Friendship. So there's a scripture in. Philippians, chapter three, verse 10, and I'll just read it to you, Philippians, chapter three verse 10 is so powerful and you you will maybe understand the scripture a little better once we can go through it. Philippians chapter three, verse 10. And notice what what he says here. He says. That I may know him. If we go back and says verse eight, I count everything as loss, all of my religious accomplishments. He was a Pharisee, he was a Sanhedrin, he was a Hebrew, he was circumcised the eighth day. He talks about all that he did. He was even blameless concerning the law. He said in verse six, as to zeal persecutor of the church as to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He's not talking about he lost his health, he lost his his salvation. He's talking about he suffered the loss of all things, all the things he put his trust in before. He's happy to lose all of those things. All of the things he thought he earned by being a Pharisee, all the things he thought he earned by being Hebrew, all the things he thought he earned by being circumcised the eighth day, all the things he thought he earned by by being blameless, by persecuting the Christians. He said, all those things are I consider them lost. It's my it's my honor to have suffered the loss of those things. And I count them as rubbish. I count them as garbage so that I may gain Christ. He's saying everything I did that I thought was earning my salvation and earning my right standing with God, it's garbage. I have to treat it as garbage so that I can gain Christ. You can't have him unless you believe he did it all. And he says, and that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Then he comes to verse 10 that I may know him who's him, Jesus, that I may know him as a person intimately, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to death, that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Let's double click for a moment on his sufferings. He said that I may. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. So a lot of Christians interpret this as so when I'm suffering, when I'm going through a hard time, I'm fellowshipping with Jesus sufferings. That's not at all what he means here. This word fellowship comes from the word Koinonia, which is which is where we get the word coin from. It's a medium of exchange. It's how we exchange something. So when he says the fellowship of his sufferings, he's saying, I want to know the exchange that has been made because of his sufferings, because of Jesus sufferings, there has been an exchange made by his suffering. On the cross, he's made an exchange or a trade. What has the exchange consisted of? He exchanges our sins for his righteousness. He exchanges our sickness for by his stripes we're healed. He exchanges our deserving of the curse for his blessing. He exchanges our poverty for his provision. It is the great exchange. I'm fellowshipping. With the exchange. I'm not fellowshipping with God when I suffer through my tough times. Everybody has those times, but we're always with God. But we're truly fellowshipping with sufferings when we are willing to say, He became sin so that I could be made the righteousness of God. By his stripes, he bore my wounds, carried my iniquities and by his stripes, I'm healed. He became a curse so that I might have the blessing of Abraham. That is fellowshipping with his sufferings. That is the great. Koinonia, the great exchange, the great fellowship is Recognizing his suffering makes you righteous. His suffering makes you healed. His suffering makes you have joy. Wow. All there is to do is accept it. Embrace it. And it will carry you home. We have a covenant with Jesus blood. That is not made of man's broken promises, but it's made of perfect blood. That. Is now. Sprinkled over the mercy seat of God's presence and forever. Speaks God said, Doesn't even the blood of Abel speak from the ground? Long after Abel's death, his blood spoke from the ground. If Abel's blood speaks from the ground, how much more? How much more? Come on, let's stand together. Say this, I have a covenant with God. I have a covenant of God's presence. Through the blood of Jesus, I am in his presence. Through the blood of Jesus, I have a covenant of power. Through the blood of Jesus, I have a covenant of protection. Through the blood of Jesus, I have a covenant of peace. Through the blood of Jesus, I have a covenant of of provision. Through the blood of Jesus, I have a covenant of promises covenant. through the blood of Jesus. I have, a of I have a covenant of purpose. That means your peace, your protection, your provision, your purpose, your power is all paid for. And it's yours because of the blood of Jesus. It's up to you to acquaint yourself with it and it's up to you to put it into action in your life but it has already been paid for Amen. in full Amen. by the blood of Jesus. Amen. As has your salvation yes. been paid for by the blood of Jesus. Amen. What about if you do this and fail and fall and make mistakes? say when you're building your life upon the holiness of man? You, there will always be a question mark about your salvation. But when you realize that it is a gift It is the free gift of eternal life. It is a gift that God says he will never take back. Then you can build a life with confidence because, you know, there never has to be a question mark about your salvation ever again. Because at what point have you become holy enough? At what point have you finally served long enough? At what point have you finally suffered through that addiction long enough to where you finally earned your salvation. No, salvation cannot be earned. It is the free gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. But we are created in Christ Jesus for his purpose. We are his workmanship. Let let it relieve you, let it ease your mind for his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. With every head head bowed for a moment, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your savior, you'd like to today. I'm just going to invite you to pray with me and everybody pray this with us out loud. Everybody pray this heavenly father. I invite Jesus Christ into my life as my savior. I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead from this moment forward. I'm a child of God. If you prayed that prayer on the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand. One, two, three, right where you're standing. Put your hand up. God bless you. Who else? God bless you. Who else? God bless you. 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 God. Come on. Who else? God bless you over here, way in the back over here. God bless you. Come on. Watching our webcast, watching in another country, another part wherever you are. God bless you wherever you are with your hand lifted in the name of Jesus. You will never, ever be separated from God ever again. You will forever be a part of his family and you are always welcome and a part of this church family now. And you are a part of this church and we welcome you to the family of God. Can we give all these people a big hand? Please make sure before you leave, please make sure to get a copy of this book from one of our team members the power of a new life these are the next steps of this journey of this relationship with god and if you're watching online you can go to lifechangeschurch.com/salvation and you can get a copy of this book absolutely free free to everybody and grab a copy of this and it'll change your life everyone is dismissed come on up for prayer if you need it and god is good he's on your side and go bears 2023 2024 god bless you guys games at three, you didn't miss anything.